everybody, welcome to the Real Guy Podcast. I got uh, Norm Beck off in the studio today. Thanks for coming in, Norm. No problem. You guys know Norm. He's a Lauderdale local. Um, been on the podcast plenty of times, and um, just got a huge wealth of knowledge um, in the fishing world. And um, I wanted him to come in to do one of the fishing philosophy episodes with us. This is our fifth or sixth one of a ten-part miniseries, Norm. And basically, um, we just talk about different fishing philosophies, and they seem to be a big hit. A lot of people are listening to the uh, recordings, so uh, thanks for coming in. Oh, no problem. No problem. My, my pleasure. Now, I asked Norm to pick um, a fishing philosophy that he'd like to talk about, and I thought um, I thought that uh, his choice was excellent because yeah. it's an ongoing debate, and it's been going on forever. It's still going on, and it probably will continue to go on forever. And that's the big philosophy between people that want to catch fish on artificials compared to people that want to catch fish on natural bait. And um, it runs deep. It runs deep. Yeah, and I think and, and I think when we when we talk about, you know, bait versus lures, you know, there's there's a lot of different subcategories in there too. I mean, are we talking about live bait? Are we talking about lures versus live bait? Are we talking about um, you know, in the offshore scene, uh, which is typically what this refers to, and that is, is rigging dead baits right. um, uh, versus artificials. And, you know, um, I think a lot of guys will tell you, uh, especially old timers, especially guys like me and you, um, that, uh, you know, the, the art of rigging a dead bait so that it swims naturally is increasingly becoming a lost art right and that, that's probably the first time that i've ever got like put right in the middle of you know uh natural bait versus artificial baits it was back in the marlin scene mm -hmm. and it was funny because i was working for uh mark tupper at the time who had a 1968 67 foot wood huckins oh wow yeah and uh, we took that boat all around and did sport fishing. And Mr. Tupper couldn't stand the idea of fishing with natural bait. He didn't want it in his freezer. He didn't really? want it in his cockpit. And he didn't want it had anything to do with it. <laughs> and he was big into artificial. He loved, to, he loved to tow around this giant rubber squid that we caught quite a few big fish on. Um, but he really was on the artificial side of it. And it was funny because we did a tournament out in Walker's Key one year. And we go over there, and um, Mr. Tupper introduces me to the crew. And um, we had Mike Leach on there, who was the president of the IGFA. Yeah. And we had Marsha and Lenny Beerman on there, who mm. were big names. Oh, yeah. And then me, I was like 20 years old. And um, Was Tommy Zach with you? Tommy was not with me. He probably was fishing in that tournament. Kunta was in that tournament. Yeah. There was a, it was a pretty small group of people back then. Yeah. And... Um, Tommy's probably what my age, right? Well, he was. Yeah. No, no, no. He was older. He was older. Um, Tommy just recently passed away. Right, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. God rest his soul. Yeah. I think he was about 57 or 58. Okay, so there's a little bit older, yeah. man. Kunta was a little bit older than me. I was definitely the young guy on the block. But it was it was a weird dynamic because Marsha and Lenny were really into natural bait fishing. And Mark, who I usually, you know, fish with, you know, these were his guests. Right. You know, was always into dragon artificials, you know, high speed. And, um, you know, he loved the old mold crafts and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Frank Johnson. Right. And I was right in the middle 
you know, of the two. And fortunately, um, it was a dead bait tournament, so you couldn't use artificials. So the that's right. They used to have. There used to be some delineation on that on on some of those tournaments. There that's still right. is. There still is. Like mm-hmm. up in Jupiter and Stewart and North of here, they still have dead bait tournaments in the Carolinas. Dead bait tournaments. You're not allowed to use artificials. Okay. And then there's other tournaments where you're not allowed to use live bait. Right. Right. You right. know that um, that's another one, but. Um, one of the things that always strikes me, and it's not with the marlin fishermen necessarily, it's more like with the plug guys. They think it's like more special to catch whatever it is they're fishing for an artificial. Like it puts them up on a higher platform than somebody that fishes with bait. People like that are what I would call purists. People like okay. that are what I call, they can't get a dozen. Because <laughs> if they could get a dozen baits, they'd be fishing with baits and artificial. I was trying to be kind. Um, yeah. Well, you did a good job. I, I think that, I think that's, I think there's a definitely, uh, a factor there. Okay. I mean, you, you know, ask your flare hawk, your, your flare hawk guys. Okay. I mean, I, can they go out and get a dozen? Well, I think, you know, I think there's a, there's a time and place for artificials. And I think there's a time and a place for dead bait. I think there's a time and a place for, for live bait, but I do not buy the fact by any means that, Fishing with an artificial um, puts you on a higher skill level than somebody that fishes with bait. Because I tell you right now, some of the bait or a lot of the bait that you have to catch in order to be successful, those guys that are fishing artificials couldn't even catch the bait, never mind catch the query. Well, look, (laughs) you know what? We see it every year around the mullet run, okay? We see guys that are fishing artificials during the mullet run. When you know they can actually get bait? When you, when, well, can they? If you can't okay. get bait during the mullet run. If you run. can't get bait during the mullet run, then okay, all right. You're an artificial guy. <laughs> I mean, that's all there is to it, okay? Uh, and, you know, I mean, I don't know what to say about somebody who doesn't match the hatch, okay? During a mullet run, you fish with mullet. Yeah. Would you fish with pinfish during the mullet run? No. No. Okay. Would you fish with a Zara spook during the mullet run? Uh, maybe. Maybe. Okay, okay. Uh, I, I snook fish in a canal with a zero spook. You know, that's man. I grew up right. Bagley's finger mullets and zero spooks. Right. Okay, but that was a different time too. I mean, we weren't we weren't out there well, looking say, to well, get you a and dozen. I, you and I don't discriminate. We'll use an artificial or we'll use a bait. You know, it doesn't it doesn't you know it doesn't matter to us. We don't think that one's better than the other. No, I'm more partial to bait to live bait because I'm a guide and I want my customers to catch you know i want yeah. to put the i want them to put the odds in their favor the best that i can and i think using live bait does that so i think from a captain standpoint or a guide standpoint or somebody that's actually paid to put people on the fish you have to erase any type of preconception what's better or what's worse and just go with what works right but your average guy has a different preconception okay your average you know look let's face it your dedicated plug tossers would rather catch one snook or two snook on plug versus 10 on bait. bait. Okay. Now that's, you know what that is? That's arrogance. That's pompous. That's pompous. It's arrogant. It's just, it's, it's looking down your nose at the bait guy. And I think that's what they do. I think they do that. I don't think all of them do that. Like that just because you fish with an artificial doesn't make you arrogant. But taking the attitude that fishing with an artificial 
takes more expertise is arrogant. Yeah. And I, I totally buy into that. But they're they're pretty, you know, people people that, you know, are arrogant and are pretty proud of it. They they don't you know, it's not like they're hiding it or whatever. Yeah. I'm not sure where it comes from. Oh, I'll tell you where I think it comes from. Back in the day, I'm kind of getting off topic a little bit, but back in the day the IGFA used to have all these divisions. And I think they still do, but some of them have gone away. Okay. But way back in the day, like in the sixties, I think it's, it might have even started in the 50s, but um, 50s and 60s, there used to be different uh, divisions of tackle and records that uh, you could set on different types of tackle. And they had a plug division, they had a fly division, and they had a spinning division. Okay. And I think this. You know this 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 delineation between the two. You know whether you're a plug guy or a fly guy, or you know that 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 whole purist mentality what the uh, hell makes came you, from that. You know the fly fishermen are real good at you know, so-called purists. What the hell is so pure? Nothing about, about building your own fly and then catching the fish. Not a thing. Right. There's nothing more pure about that than actually going to catch a fish to catch a fish. Yeah. Well, you know, let me tell you something. I knew a guy. I don't know if you knew this guy. His name is Alan Starr, okay? And Alan Starr, uh, Alan Starr and Alex Adler pioneered in the Keys uh, um, fishing for fishing for sailfish with, with Ballyhoo and doing the whole, uh, you Life know, chasing them, down in the, you know, chasing them down in the shallows, okay? Those two guys pretty much pioneered that, okay? And Alan Starr um, was a real colorful guy i'll just leave it at that colorful and, yeah oh yeah <laughs> and he's he was one of these guys that you would love to have on a podcast okay but at any rate alan uh was doing an interview for i think it was saltwater sportsman magazine okay and he wrote and, he, and i think he told rip cunningham and they printed in in the in the news in the in the magazine uh that he never um he never found an artificial lure in the stomach of a fish. Huh. Oh, boy. That set everybody on their ears. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I like that. But, and, then, and then, like you said, you know, rigging um, dead bait. That's an art. That's an art. That's, that's an every art. bit of an art as making a fly. No, I think it's even more so. I, I, think, I, think, it's, I think it's much harder. Um, because well, not all of it. I mean, some of it's so easy, like, a, you know, like a... Circle hook, chin weighted ballyhoo. You can rig it in fifteen seconds. That's easy. Oh, okay. You know I mean, I mean, you, you I'm still talking gotta, about making a mullet. I'm talking about making a mullet, or a, mac, a mackerel, right? Um, squid. A, you know, a mullet, a mackerel, a squid, or a ballyhoo swim. That looks that makes it look real. No, okay? I get that. There's very few guys who can do that. And it is an art, and um, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy, and um, if you don't do it exactly right. And, and they don't work. work. They don't work. Um, but if you do do it exactly right, it's pretty neat. Yeah. And um, some of those guys up there in Jupiter and Stewart that are doing dead bait dredges and then pitching dead bait. Curtis Josie. Unbelievable. He's one of the best. Unbelievable, yeah. some of those guys. Yeah. And I'd like to see one of these artificial dudes look down their nose at him. No. Or a guy like him. Yeah. Or the guy uh, that I fish with with uh, Tupper. Lenny uh, Beerman. Well, let me tell you, you know, because Lenny would punch you right in the mouth. <laughs> he was a tough ass. 
And it was funny because when I was fishing on that boat, um, a lot of the other mates and captains were intimidated by Lenny because he was such a hard ass. Yeah. And they were like looking at me like, oh, geez, you realize who you're fishing with? You realize you? And I'm like, like thinking like, geez, what did Didn't I get? Didn't he play for the Dolphins once? Lenny? Yeah. I don't know. But he was, it wouldn't surprise me if he's a linebacker or something. But um, I, I think p- Marsh had worked for the Dolphins. That, and that's how they met. Maybe I don't know the whole. I don't know the whole story. I was like starstruck on the whole thing. I mean, I had the guy, <laughs> really. I had uh, the president of the IGFA, and then I had yeah. Marsh and Lenny Beerman that were in the magazines and stuff. Then, and then I had all the other captains and stuff coming over to me, like, "Dude, you know you're fishing with," and you know, mm-hmm. Lenny can be tough, and blah 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 blah. In the meantime, Lenny was a sweetheart. He 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 learned me some things about rigging mackerel and stuff, and he was meticulous. And he, like you said, he was an artist. Yeah. So anyway. I mean, and that's just it. Okay, he's an artist, and every every dedicated dead bait guy I know takes great pride in 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 uh, in that art. Sure. Okay, and I mean every one of them that I ever met. Okay, and I fished with a lot of different guys, and every one of them that could make a mullet. Let me tell you, I'll tell you a great story about that. Okay, uh, I was I think it was seventy nine. Okay, and we had a guy uh, that was working on Dad's boat. This guy's name was Terry. I forget his last name. This guy was a burnout. Okay, I mean <laughs> he was a real burnout. I ain't gonna lie. Okay, and, <laughs> well, quite a few of them have been uh, through the system. Oh. <laughs> so anyway, so I jumped down on the boat one night, and Terry's standing there in the cockpit looking at this mullet. Okay, and he says to me, "You're a sailfish." I said, "Okay," and he says. If you see this mullet swimming above your head, what do you see? And I, you know, I'm eight. I'm like 10 years old. I said, I don't know, a mullet? He says, no. He says, you don't see anything. I said, what are you talking about? He shows me the, you know, the, the natural camouflage that's built into every bait fish uh, on creation. Okay, the white underside with the silver underside and then the black back. And he shows me this. And I said, okay, fine. Uh, he says, so if that mullet were to swim above your head, okay, you'd see that, right? And I'd say, yeah. He said, no, you wouldn't because he also blends in with the sky, okay? And if you've got a bright day out or you've got a lot of clouds or there's a lot of white clouds, it's even harder to see that bait fish, okay? So he's given me a lesson, this, 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 this total heroin addict, okay? <laughs> All right, and I'm learning something, okay? So he says, now pretend that mullet swims on his side or even on his back. What do you see? I said, well, I guess he'd stick up like a sore thumb. He says, right. And then he didn't say anything else after that. So a couple of weeks go by, and we're fishing a tournament in Palm Beach, okay? It was a dead bait tournament. Right. And he pulls out a mullet that he had rigged upside down. Okay, this is a true story. And he rigged this mullet upside down. He had the he had the weight on the head instead of on the chin. Okay. He had removed the backbone and he had the hook coming out of the top of the mullet's back. And this mullet he put it in the water and so help me God it swam upside down like it was natural. <laughs> okay. <coughs> okay. And about an hour later. We catch a fish. We get hooked up, okay? And 
the fish, it was a blind bite. It ended up being sailfish, and we, we caught the fish, okay? And we realized that it was on that upside-down mullet. And everybody in the boat is, like, freaking out. We had just caught a sailfish on a dead, upside-down swimming mullet, <laughs> okay? Right. So I said to Terry, I said, Terry, I said, that was, that was brilliant. He says, you're going to do that? I said, you're going to do that again? You're going to rig another one? He says, no way. <laughs> and he never did it again. Huh. He says, I don't ever want anybody to ever know that. And I don't, it, 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 he treated it like a UFO. He thought people would think he was crazy for doing it. Oh, I think he's kind of crazy for doing it. But since it caught a fish, it's all good. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I just wanted to get into that philosophy. I think a lot of people that, um, I think a lot of people that, you know, don't think that there's both sides to the story. There is. And hopefully we opened up. You know, some people's eyes and whether you're a fly fisherman or a plug caster or a live bait fisherman or a dead bait fisherman, it's all good. And none is better than the other necessarily. That's right. They're yep. all oh, just a different way to fish. Yep. And um, if you do think that way, maybe this will change your mind a little bit. Get off your high horse a little bit and realize there's a lot of good ways to be a great fisherman. You betcha. Run that dog. Run that dog.